For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. Who Rebels, we got a good one today. We are re-airing our program with Shauna Nequist. She wrote a book called Present Over Perfect. And man, it is one of the pillars of what we believe here at Rebel Parenting. We are not trying to be perfect parents. We're just trying to get a little better each day. But we want to be present for our kids and our spouses at all times. Man, I love this program. I love looking back over the history and seeing how far we've come and reintroducing all you new people to some of the just the best programs we've delivered. Today's program is brought to you by Trinova Products. You can get the foam cannon to clean your car, you get the tire shine, get the leather cleaner, or the blue agave dish soap and the white tea time all-purpose cleaner. Amazon.com slash Trinova, code word rebelpod for 20% off everything they sell. Let's jump into this podcast. Here is Shauna Nequist on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Shauna, thank you so much for coming on the program. This is your last day of interviews for the book. The book is Present Over Perfect. And I got to tell you, people are more excited about you being on the program than any other guest we've talked about so far. This book has struck a nerve. It feels like it's gone viral. I see it everywhere. We go to people's houses. I see women holding it and carrying it. And when we announced you were going to be on the program, I keep having people show me the book and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe she's coming on. Ask this question to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Shauna. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Um, some people are listening that don't know the book, that aren't familiar with Present Over Perfect. They would be in the minority of our listeners probably. But for those that don't, talk a little bit about your story. How did you, you know, books aren't something that we kind of stumble into or, or necessarily get talked into. It's kind of those things that you have to do. You're like, well, I have to do this. It keeps coming up. What's the story behind this? How did this keep coming up to where you said, I have to write a book about this? Well, um, early, when I first kind of decided to start writing, one of the things, um, someone gave me really good advice and they said, you absolutely cannot choose your topic based on like market demand or this will go mm. crazy or this mm. will finally make my, your college professors proud of you or you... <laughs> She said, you have to just find a topic that's so fascinating to you that you really do want to wake up every day and think about it for about two years. Mm. Like you will not run out of steam for this. You have to care about it that much. Mm. And so I've always um, chosen my book topics as something I want to learn, not something I want to teach people. So like essentially this is a problem in my life that I want to solve. And so I want to learn about it and write about it and, and travel, you know, down to the depths of it every day and, and kind of untangle this part of my life or our lives. And so present over perfect is very much that it's my own need to find a new way of living. Um, after a season of a lot of, um, work and busyness and consequential exhaustion and Mm -hmm. isolation, I said, I need a new way to live. Um, I, I, I need a rhythm and rationale 
for living that doesn't hurt so much, that doesn't cost so much, that doesn't leave me disconnected uh, from the people I love most. And so Present Over Perfect is just my own journey from an exhausted, depleted, very busy life to one that's focused more on connection and depth and simplicity. So what was it for you that was the turning point? I think there were there were a lot of little moments that all added up, but I think there was a moment that I had of great, you know, both pain and clarity. They tend to go together where I realized <laughs> that um, there there had been these things I had longed for. I longed to be a mother and to have children and to have good friends and do meaningful work and to be a part of a church that I loved and to gather people in our home. And I realized on paper, I was doing all those things, mm-hmm. but because I was so tired and so busy and so distracted, I wasn't experiencing any of those things. Mm. So it's like if someone put, it's like when you have a cold and you can't taste anything yeah. and someone puts like your favorite meal in front of you and you're so mad right. because you know it's good, but you can't taste it. Yeah. That's how it felt. It felt like, man, I can see from a distance that this is everything uh, that matters to me. But it's like I'm banging on the glass trying to get in because I've let something important get in the way. And I wasn't able to really experience and connect with the most important things in my life. You know, it's funny. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, oh, so you wrote this book specifically for me. So you all wrote it for an audience of one and I'm that audience. But I know virtually everyone listening is like, oh, that's me. I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. I, I went through that season. I Quit my job in January. I was so tired when I got home that I wasn't enjoying anything. My kids would run out. They were so excited to see me. And my turning point was I realized I'm not excited to see them right now. And in my head I am because I love these kids more than life itself. But I was so tired of living that way. So how did you start to unpack it? Like you, you have this revelation like, oh my goodness, my life is not what I want it to be. Now, how do I shift and start creating the life that you're talking about, being present? Well, the, the first thing I did was I had a series, a series of conversations, and some of it was like a certain part of me asking permission. Some of it was more mm. like confession. A lot of it was just sort of raising the, the warning flag and saying, hey, you guys, things are going to look different. I don't totally know how I'm going to get there. Mm. But, you know, <laughs> the first conversation I had was with my husband then with my dad, who I'm very close to, then with our small group, then with a mentor. And um, it was really helpful for me. Mm. So um, we just, um, we can talk about this more, but um, so my dad's a pastor who I just adore, who um, I really respect. And I think to a certain extent, I've always wanted to um, give my life as freely and as intensely as he does. I've always mm. wanted to keep up with the good that he's doing. Mm. Yeah. And there yeah. was a moment I was standing in my kitchen and he was about to leave. I had a newborn at the time. So he had just, um, he, he had just put our, our baby boy to bed and he was just walking out the door and I said, Hey dad, I have to tell you something. I'm so tired that it sort of scares me. And mm. I, I feel like something's happening in me where I'm losing touch with some of the best parts of who I am. And I don't know how to get around it, yeah. but I've been trying to keep this pace for so long and I need to let you know I can't keep up with it anymore. Mm. And it, it, I felt very – I really wanted him to be proud of me, and I wanted him to see how hard I was working. And he put his hands on my shoulders, and his eyes filled with tears, and he said, I'm so relieved. I've been so worried about you, mm. and I will do anything to help you slow down and get back to the person God made you to be. 
and I'm just so profoundly thankful for that. Wow. Yeah, what a great vote for your dad, just voting for totally. you. Yeah, that's awesome. And and that's what I heard from from my small group, from my husband, from my best friends. They all said a kind of, we're watching you run laps around your own life, and we just want you to sit down with us. Mm. We, we don't need you to be spectacular. We just need you to be here. <laughs> were you expecting and, that result, or were you expecting their response? Well, you know, I mean, I think anybody who does what I did, which is essentially tries to earn love and happiness and meaning through busyness and achievement, yeah. the, the way you get there is because you don't believe that people are just going to love you for who you are. And yeah. so mm-hmm. a lot of this journey has been me trusting those words, mm. saying, okay, you say it's okay to be just me. You say it's okay to leave this undone. You say it's okay to slow down my deadlines. You say it's okay to say no to this or that. And I feel like I'm sort of testing them. Do you still love me? Am I still okay? Yeah. Do you still respect me? And at every turn, they're like, we said we did. We still do. (laughs) (laughs) We just like you so much better now that you're not so angry all the time. (laughs) You know? Wow. (laughs) You just spoke to me right there. That is amazing. Did you get any pushback? Like in in our attempts to slow down, um, I just started this, so I'm so brand new at it that I feel a little bit nervous even saying it out loud, but I've just started to turn my phone off, my cell phone, when I get home from work. Um, yeah. Because I realized I am buried in my phone. It's my checkout. Yeah. I absolutely disengage. I check out completely. And so I've had to tell people, certain people, Hey, my phone's going to be off. If you need to get a hold of me, we have a home line. Um, but yep. there are, I mean, literally a handful of people that know that. And I was getting a lot of pushback um, from some surprising areas of like, well, it's really going to make it hard. And it's like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to be okay with it. Was it was difficult for me because I want those people to like me and be happy with me and think I'm doing enough. And what I was hearing back is, well, you're making it hard on me, and I don't think you're doing yeah. enough. And I'm now not happy with our relationship. And I've just had to learn to live with that. Do you get any pushback or how do you help people that do get pushback to just be like, it's better to be healthy than to be in that relationship? Yep. And that, that it, to be honest, this part of it has been really, really hard for me mm. because I really want people to be happy with me. Totally. And I really want them to think I am uh, meeting all of their expectations. Like that's, yeah. it, those two things have kept me living in unhealthy patterns for so many years. Yeah. So I would say one thing that really helped me was to picture your relationships as a series of concentric circles. Um, At the center, if you're a Christian, at the center is God and your relationship with him, the time you spend with him in prayer, the way that you connect with him throughout the day. Um, And then you're also in that circle. And that's sort of a a new thing for me to believe that my own life, my own heart, my own body, my own soul is in the center there. And then your immediate family, um, your husband or wife and your kids. And then like one circle out from that, Um, whoever you're closest to beyond that, maybe that's your parents or your best friend. And then one beyond that is maybe a small group. And one beyond that is maybe your neighbors. And one beyond that is maybe friends from your kid's school and out and out and out. And the mistake I made was thinking we were all in that center circle together. Yeah. Yeah. And if I disappointed someone that I met once in eighth grade, the whole thing was going to fall apart. Right. And what I'm learning now is if I disappoint my husband and my kids too much, it does start to fall apart. That matters. That inner circle matters, but it's okay. 
if every once in a while, in order to meet the expectations that, that you want to meet, that you're committed to for those center circle people, it's okay if sometimes people on those outer edges don't get exactly what they want from you. And um, it's hard for me, but I have to remind myself, okay, where is this person in the concentric circle? Mm. And if I'm going to disappoint someone, it's not going to be my husband and my kids. Mm. It's not going to be my very best friends. It might sometimes be someone at my publisher. It might sometimes be someone uh, that I know more casually. Um, but that keeping that picture in my head really helps me. Mm. Um, and then I would say this sounds crazy, um, but it, the more you do it, it, the easier it gets. You know, the first couple times you tell someone, hey, I feel like you've got some expectations for me that I'm, I just need to let you know I'm not going to be able to meet them. It's really hard for me. It's not because I don't care about you, but it's because I've got a set of values in my life that I'm really focusing on right now. It might be different in another season. Um, again, this isn't about me caring for you. This is about me having a certain set of expectations and commitments for my family. Mm. The first couple times you say that, it's so oh, hard. Yeah. I have sweaty palms then, even thinking about having that I conversation. Have, I totally know. <laughs> um, but but uh, this is one thing I found too. It's it's um, with some people. It's it's a lot more honoring of your relationship to be direct about it. Yeah. Than to have them just feel like you're sort of being flaky. Like mm. no no no, I'm not being flaky. I'm just I think being we have clear. expectations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I think you have an expectation for the amount of time we're going to spend together, or the uh, amount uh, how reachable I'm going to be to you. And in this season, that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times it honors people in, to just say, are you picking up on like a shift? Yeah, that's not crazy. There is a shift and sure. it's not about the quality of our friendship. It's about some changes I need to make in my own life. And so, can I ask, so I've, I've had a lot of those. Yeah. Is the reaction you get from people, um, you know, I'm just going to say it in the way I'm thinking in my head. Does it tell you a lot about them? It, it feels like if you get a reaction that's like, well, that's not acceptable and I'm not going to accept that and I don't think you should be doing that, it, then I, I, for me, I would move that person into a different circle. It would be further out in that circle to say, yeah. you're not a part of my he healing. You're not helping me get better. In fact, you're trying to combat yeah. what I'm doing. Have, have you found any of that in, in the maybe, you know, I think there's a lot of people, yeah. we have relationships where I'm pretty sure I know what I'm going to hear. Maybe not, maybe it'll be new, but I'm pretty sure there's some people that are going to be like, nope, I'm not accepting of that. And yeah. 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 And I absolutely have, um, I would say, maybe I'll put it in positive terms. I have drawn closer to people who are on this same journey because we cheer each other on oh, yeah. toward wholeness and health, and it's really valuable. Mm. So when I, when I have a quick conversation with someone where I say like, hey, you know, I totally care about that too, but in this season, I'm really protecting this, and so I won't be able to until next season. And they're like, totally get it. I just had to make a hard choice about this part of my life. We're reshuffling this. So, yep, I'm cheering you on in that. I'm like, okay, mm. okay, I heard that. I heard that we are um, kind of walking down a similar path, and it's going to make me more brave and more committed to be around them. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, if you decide you're going to train for a marathon and all your friends are like, cool, we'll be here with pizza. You know, yeah. um, you're, you're like, I actually need just one. I don't need everybody in my life to go on these training runs with me, but I do need like one person or two people. And um, that's how this feels to me. This is an uncomfortable new way of living. And I need a training team oh, in the same that. way that you do when, you, when you're training for a race or something else. Oh, that's oh. just a perfect analogy. That is fantastic, so, Shauna. It's, it, can I ask one little question about, you were talking yeah. about making sure that um, your husband's in line with you in the, the circles. So yeah. 
how has that shifted from, I know I've read your book. I'm, I love it. Um, when you were in the tunnel, you talked about, um, what were you, you were snorkeling in the tunnels in mm-hmm. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. When, when did that, I, I'm just, I guess I just want to tease it out a little bit and look at how did that definitely transform for your life? Yeah. Tell like, that story. Yeah. So I realized, uh, I had this amazing moment with my son, Henry, we were snorkeling together, but, um, even in the middle of this beautiful place, I was feeling, um, to be honest, just such dark thoughts, such a deep sense of, I, I, I'm not right. There's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not okay. I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. Just this, this kind of terrible, dark refrain. And I said to Aaron, like, we need, I, I need help with this. I need, um, and I think what, what, what changed for me in that moment was I realized I'm not just busy, right? I'm not just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> added a couple too many things to my to-do list. I am pathologically keeping myself busy so that I don't have to face something. And it's mm. this. Ooh. It's this inner dark refrain yeah. that I've been running from all my life. And I finally slowed down enough to look it in the face and say, okay, now this is the issue that has to be addressed. This is not anymore about time management or running fewer errands. It's, it's this kind of inner lack of connectedness or love or something. And I, you can tell I still don't have great language for it, but that, so that's what Aaron and I talked about in that moment. And that's mm. sort of what sent, that's what changed this process pretty specifically from a, from a time and logistics journey to a spiritual journey, um, to time with a counselor and a mm-hmm. spiritual director wow. and some new spiritual practices and a lot of conversations with my husband and a lot of reading and a lot of prayer. And essentially what, what, what I was trying to do is, um, sort of build some solid footing on the inside of my life mm. instead of that sort of slippery, dark, negative language so that I didn't have to spend my life on the run avoiding that darkness, yeah. right? Because essentially that's what it came down to. That's what I was doing. Was so when you stopped, was so when you stopped, was it, did it get worse? I guess I'm just trying to, yeah. with the yeah, listeners, exactly. it's like, here you are, you're on the precipice of something new. Boom, let's, let's take a shift. Let's change our lives. Let's change our inner life. And then it's like, it feels and like then, that's when it all hits the fan. Yes, yes. I always tell people, please expect it to get harder before it gets easier. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> you just freed up a lot of listeners. It. Yeah. So just because you're doing so something good doesn't mean it's going to go well. <laughs> Not yeah. at first. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, and, awesome. And, and I think I would imagine if you, if, if anyone listening, if anyone is listening and is like me and they have kept themselves busy and achieving. Mm-hmm in order to outrun something they haven't really dealt with or understood on their insides, you, number one, you're running for a reason. It's, it's not just you like, Oh, I'm kind of a fast paced person. Yeah. There's a pathological desire to keep running. Right. Right. Yeah. Well then when you stop doing it and you actually find like for me, essentially what it was is I did not truly in my bones, in my blood, understand unconditional love. Yes. I only understood proving and pushing, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but then you have you have to sit with that, and that's terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Part of part of why um, it, it made perfect sense to me what I'd been doing all my life, right? Like, yeah. oh, well, yeah, 
that explains it. That like we've just found the center of something, mm. of course. But then, what, it, I mean, it's sort of it's like going to the doctor and getting the worst news, which is there's something wrong. But then the best news, which is you're at the doctor, right? Yeah. So the next season of my life was kind of the surgery. It was the repair. It was mm. the vitamins. It was the learning to heal that wound so that I didn't have to keep pretending it wasn't there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's going to be so valuable for people to hear. I really do. Sean, I think you and I naturally fall into this category because we have very type A, high producer, high functioning, famous parents. Um, but I also wonder if the people that just have type A, high functioning parents also tend to fall into this. Not, I'm not blaming my parents. My, I love my parents. I've worked with my dad for years. My kids are at my parents' house right now. And... I did the same thing when I started working with my dad seven years ago. I tried to keep pace and literally burnt out. I went into burnout. I saw a psychiatrist and he said, oh, you're burning out. This is, you've got to slow it down. For me, it was super painful. So how do we know if we're just busy and we need to cut some things out or if we're running from something? There are people listening right now that are like, wow, I, I feel busy all the time, but maybe I am running from something. How do you dig into that to find out, oh no, I really am. This is more than just I've added too many things to my plate. Um, those are great questions. And, and I'm going to try an analogy here that I'm fairly sure. Like I'm, I am in no way a psychologist. I'm not a medical <laughs> professional. I'm not an addiction specialist. I don't, but the first thing that popped in my mind was, let's say you uh, feel like maybe you're drinking too much alcohol. Yeah. Um, and you decide, you know what? I need to cut back. If without a lot of drama or chaos, you successfully cut back, then it's probably not a full-blown addiction at that point, right? Right. And I would maybe say the same thing about busyness. If you find yourself getting really busy and then you say, hang on, I'm busier than I want to be. I want to reshuffle my schedule. And then you do. Well, then lovely for you. I just didn't <laughs> do that. I, if For me, it was way more like an addiction. It was yeah. way more like something I, I could not find my footing. I yeah. could not... Um, even as I was trying to slow, slow things down, I found myself speeding things up. And so mm. um, I would say if, if you sense an attachment to it, um, you know, all of it, we live in a busy world. A lot yeah. of people struggle with busyness, but for a lot of people, I would say it's just seasons and circumstances and they are, they have absolutely everything they need to slow it down when they, when they need to. But sure. yeah. uh, going back to what you were saying, I do think those of us who grew up in worlds that were, um, oriented toward very hard, hard work and achievement. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a church thing or a ministry thing. We joke about it. I'm still very close to my girlfriends from high school. And we were all like the dorky little responsible girls in high school. <laughs> yeah. And now we're all just like those dorky responsible moms. Now that we're 40, you know, we, um, we all grew up in houses that had a lot of expectations for us. And we played sports and were captains of all the teams and we're on all the honor rolls and went to a competitive high school and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. so for us, it wasn't necessarily about our church environment. We, we kind of went to one of those high schools that said like, you know, why don't you go ahead and just try really hard at everything. And so we did. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and so now at 40, we're still trying to figure out what does it mean to truly find rest yeah. or to truly mm -hmm. practice presence or simplicity to not be knocking ourselves out to prove ourselves as responsible and competent all the time. So can you just give me a little glimpse of what your morning would look like if, if you would be willing to share that? Like, cause I know some people are like, well, how do you, 
I get this concept. I want it. I, I want to be in. I want to be present. I want that rest. So what are some just tangible things that maybe mm-hmm. someone who's just starting on this journey of like, okay, here I am. Now what? Well, okay. This may, maybe this sounds crazy, but I've always been a to-do list person. Yeah. And, and so I tried then to not have a to-do list, but then I felt like I don't, I don't really know what's going on. Like I kind of lost the plot. And so what I did is I just changed the list. So, um, one of the things on my list in the morning when kids get up, you know, get them out the door is I want to have a meaningful connection with both my kids. Um, so instead of the dishes have to get done, the laundry has to get folded, the, this, the, this, the, this, just b- between when we wake up and when they leave the house, I want to have had a meaningful connection with each of them. And mm. that can mean just like two minutes snuggling on the couch together. It can mean a quick conversation about what's coming up in you know, the day. It can mean shooting baskets while we wait for the bus. Mm. But I think I used to miss a lot of those moments because my goal wasn't connection. My goal was getting stuff done. Yeah. Um, so now if I change the goal, if the goal is connection, then I go through my day in a really different way. Well, then so you're even, looking for that. You're looking how to right. connect. Okay. Awesome. Right. So like on Monday night, my, my kids are big into Halloween. So we always do a Halloween party and we live in one of those neighborhoods where the houses are really close together. So they're good for trick or treating. A lot of our friends who live where the houses are more spread out, they all come to our house and they all <laughs> trick or treat together. Yeah. And over the years I've totally like, um, I want it to be like this major thing. I want like, you know, a full meal. I want like fun, everything, everything's perfect. And so this year we did uh, orange paper cups and a pot of chili and some apples. And it was so much less mm. extravagant and beautiful and well thought out and complicated than it would have been five years ago. But it, that wasn't my goal. My yeah. goal was I want to have a meaningful connection with every person who comes through a door. Mm. And so that changes where you put your energy. Yeah. So it's not all about how things are presented. It's not all about the complexity of the meal. It's not all about the perfect decorations. It's about getting dinner ready in such a way that I have the energy once people come over to sit with them and connect with them and ask them questions mm. and look into their eyes and listen to them. I can't tell you how many times I created such elaborate experiences for people then by the time they came in the door I was just vacant because I was exhausted yeah uh, because what I had created for them to experience had taken everything out of me mm. I don't want to do that anymore yeah you know, I want to be there I want to be right there with the people not the performance and the preparation mm. Shauna it this program is unbelievable you've been so honest and vulnerable there's so much wisdom in here I really do appreciate it. For those joining us late, we're talking with Shauna Nequist about her book, Present Over Perfect, leaving behind frantic for a simpler, more soulful way of living. I really do feel like this program has accomplished a lot of that. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, you guys are great. It's my pleasure. (laughs) You're awesome. Oh, thanks for listening, Rebels. We appreciate you. We really do. We appreciate you. We love you guys. I love getting emails from you. If you need help, you can email me at any time. Help at rebelparenting.org. Go straight to my inbox. And the only people that see it are me, Laura, and Producer Kay. We pray over your emails. We talk about it. And we try to get back to you with the best help and advice we can give. 
God bless all of you. Thank you so much to the Voice of the Martyrs for sponsoring this podcast, helping those who've been persecuted around the world for more than 50 years. Persecution.com is their website. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.